healthcare is broken, and the healthcare industry is not going to fix itself. Reconstructing Healthcare is a podcast series where we interview the rebel entrepreneurs working tirelessly to disrupt the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we break down everything that's wrong with the current healthcare system and provide you with a blueprint to create better results. Now, here's your host, Michael Maneri. Hello, everyone. Michael Maneri here. This episode is a departure from our traditional format. I moderated a webinar a few months ago that highlighted an employer who listened to this podcast and decided to take action to implement a solution to help their employees find higher quality, more cost-effective care. This episode is a rebroadcast of that interview with Amino and Kristen Deacon from the state of New Jersey. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, let's go along to the good stuff. I'm really excited to introduce our three panel participants today. Our moderator today is Michael Maneri, Senior Vice President at Alliant Insurance Services and a partner in the California Employer Benefits Practice. He currently oversees and manages Alliance Los Angeles employee benefits team. He's also the host of Reconstructing Healthcare, a podcast that explores a better approach to health insurance at a lower cost. Our first panelist today is Kristen Deacon, Assistant Director of the New Jersey State Health Plans. Kristen is a healthcare leader and self-described public sector entrepreneur who leads the benefit strategy and operations for the state's 820,000 employees that have coverage through these plans. She's also a former assistant special counsel to the governor and deputy attorney general and a private sector restructuring attorney. Thanks for being here, Kristen. And last but not least, we have our second panelist, David Vivero, our very own co-founder and CEO here at Amino. David currently guides the company vision and strategy to give power to the patients through a convenient, trustworthy digital healthcare guidance platform that makes it super easy to find and book great care. All right. So thank you for the introductions and the wonderful opportunity to facilitate this discussion. As Ashley mentioned, I'm a benefits consultant. As a consultant in the industry, you know, I'm really interested in seeing change in our healthcare delivery and payment system, but I'm also a podcaster. And as a podcaster, I love stories and I'm fascinated uh, in stories about people and entrepreneurs and the good work that they they do to drive positive change in our industry. And so really excited. Uh, we've got a great story for, for those of you joining us today that I, I hope leaves you with a little inspiration for 2021. So with that, David and Kristen, welcome. Great to be here with you this morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the opportunity. You bet. You bet. I'm going to start the discussion with Kristen, but David, please feel free to to jump in and and add color commentary as as we uh, kind of go through this. Kristen, you are a lawyer by training. So let's start with how you went from being a bankruptcy attorney to becoming the assistant director of pension and benefits for the state of New Jersey. That's, that's, that's not really a natural progression. (laughs) (laughs) It was all part of my well thought out plan when I entered law school. No, I I, I'm kidding, obviously, you know, I I have to say it was a, a winding road, a very different road, but one that, you know, I'm so glad that I, I, a journey I'm glad I took you know, I think I faced some burnout in the private restructuring world as a, as a young mom with a young family and, and found myself always drawn to public service. And that's how I ended up at the attorney general's office and then the governor's office, you know, and then treasury, which is where the plans actually are um, run out of as department of treasury within the uh, state of New Jersey. I had worked a lot with those offices and those other capacities. And, you know, within a year of joining the treasurer's office, I was running the health plan. So 
yeah, it, it was a very unique path, but one I'm, I'm very glad that I went on. And I also, you know, I have to say that very strange and diverse background really lends itself to looking at healthcare issues from a completely different perspective. When you're trying to change status quo, having a coming in with a different perspective is really important. So you you joined the Division of Pension and Benefits 2018 to oversee what I would call a massive plan. 820,000 uh, participants made made up not only of state participants but also local municipalities and school districts with their retirees and dependents. So that's a unique animal right there. <laughs> So, so what kind of health benefits climate did you walk into when you got there? And, and what was the, the fiscal situation with the state's health plan at that time? Right. So the word that I would describe that you just used was it was status quo. You know, we hadn't been out to bid for our PBM, uh, pharmacy benefit manager for, I think we're on our third or fourth extension year beyond even the extensions that were in the original contract same with our TPA. Um, we had been with the same vendors for well over a decade uh, without having gone out to rebid and, and look at that financial structure. So yeah, it was status quo, lots of issues with out-of-network spending, um, some plan designs that needed to be you know, refocused. And our, the trajectory of our spend was really getting to a point where it was overtaking even our pension crisis in the state of New Jersey. So we had to get a hold on on cost and spend. And there was a new effort on this administration's part to try and tackle those in partnership with the stakeholders, which I think was really important. Can you just comment a little bit about the trajectory of your cost? Because I think sometimes people look at at jumbo-sized employers and think, well, they've got it under control, as opposed to mid-market employers who may be subject to fully insured rate increases. So to what degree was it problematic? Right. Well, I mean, so from a gross spend perspective, we spend about $2 billion a year on our pharmacy spend and about $5 billion on medical. So yeah, that's with a B. Our state budget is about, you know, 39 to 40 billion in a fiscal year. So it's a huge chunk of, of our state budget and it was increasingly taking up more and more. So, you know, your point about, you know, the mid size or even small where you could have one or two large claimants that can really like make or break a year, right? Like those claimants still <laughs> exist in our health plan. I mean, you know, we have, you know, some small school districts that like have a family of like, let's say hemophiliacs that, you know, cost the plan $10 million. We, we still have to have a hold of those costs. And, you know, with a mega plan of our size, I think the assumption that somebody's watching every, every dollar is not the right one. But, you know, we're trying to change that. So. so tell us, how did you find out about Amino and, and what caught your interest? As I said, I'm sort of a baby in healthcare, And one of the ways that I, I try to bring myself up to speed on all things healthcare is listening to podcasts and yours being one of them. And uh, one of the first episodes I actually listened to was your interview with David Rivero from Amino. And I just thought to myself, oh my goodness, this tool could solve so many of the problems that we have and just sounds really perfect for my population. So thank you for uh, for that connection. So first of all, that, that gives me joy to know that somebody's listening out there. <laughs> Um, and, and truly that is the, the intent of the podcast is to inspire people to learn and, you know, trying to try different things. So, uh, I'm going to go over to David here. So David, you and I had just finished recording the episode and, you know, not eight days after I published it, you get contacted by Kristen. So 
Tell us a little bit about that initial conversation and the next steps that, that you took to kind of share more about the amino solution and, and how it might be able to benefit the state. Well, I would say that, you know, Kristen got the benefit of listening to our conversation, which I have to imagine was about 45 minutes or so. I remember where I was uh, when, when we recorded it, but I didn't have the benefit of knowing enough about Kristen's challenges. And so the first several conversations that we had were just learning about the needs of New Jersey residents and and uh, members of the plan that Kristen's organization is responsible for. And, you know, you've got a real need, like so many health plans, to help educate people about the differences between staying in network and, and going out of network. The differences between going to a really expensive, unsafe hospital versus going to a place that gives appropriate care and safe care and, and care that really is is intended to be the highest value for everybody. Because at the end of the day, especially for a state health plan, we're spending our own dollars on care. One of the biggest misunderstandings about healthcare is that it's covered by insurance. But in reality, with self-insured and fully insured plans, we're paying either premiums or paying uh, directly for those services. And that that comes out of our future paycheck sometimes. You know, that's 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 budget that gets spent unnecessarily on surgeries that could go to raises or go to new investments. And that's true of every company, organization, labor union, you name it. And so Amino's job is to try and guide people 365 days of the year, every time they need care, help guide them so that they get the most for their money, which is also the state's money and their taxpayer money and so forth. And so the challenges that I learned about from, from Kristen were real fundamentally the same challenges we hear from large self-insured plans, which is how do we keep people in network? How do we help people understand the differences in cost and quality that they themselves would appreciate if they just had access to that information? And most importantly, how do we make it more convenient to make a good choice, which includes using telemedicine or direct primary care programs, et cetera. So really, it was more being a sponge uh, and absorbing all those challenges. And then we went and had some on-site conversations, got to know a lot more of the stakeholders inside of the state plan, including at the health plan in New Jersey that, that administers this uh, state health plan. And it was really very clear that we could make a dent on not only the total costs of the care, but also the experience of being a member of the health plan. A couple of things that you said there that I think really stood out for me is, is one, the pass through nature of cost, right? You know, a lot of times to your point, employers and employees are looking at it. Well, our cost of insurance is going up. I mean, it's just a direct pass-through of the cost of care. Most national carriers and TPAs don't do a good job of making it easy for employers and employees to find cost-effective care. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the nature of their contracts with providers, right? They're contractually prohibited Mm -hmm. from steering people to cost and quality. You guys are, are, are working to solve a problem in the marketplace, which we, you know, explored in our, our podcast interview. So Kristen, you have a you have a good conversation, you know, demo with with Amino in October of 2019. You see some potential value for the state. Fast forward eight months later, Amino was implemented. To me, that feels like you know one of my daughter's unicorns in real life. We don't see large public entities with lots of stakeholders, you know, typically being able to implement something that quickly, let alone smaller mid-market employers, right? I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. it just takes time to do due diligence and, and you know, get something implemented. So that was an amazing feat. So tell us a little bit more about what you did to kind of make that happen. And what was your first step to, to move mm-hmm. that forward? 
So my first step was actually, you know, we use one of the blues as our, our as our TPA care, uh, carrier um, was to approach their digital team and their digital experience team and say, you know, I'd really like to make that doc finder tool useful. You have a captive audience. You have somebody that's trying to do the right thing by finding an in-network provider. And we're providing them with like really not great information. Like they don't care about Dr. A.28 miles from their house. They care about the doctor that's best for them and has the best quality readings um, and is in network, right? So I said, what can we do here? And, you know, and the, and the response was really nothing, right? They're, because to your point, they have contracts and provider relationships they have to worry about. And I get that. I totally understand. I said, you know, it would be great if we could really match people with the right provider for that individual that is in network and really help fix our out-of-network issue without plan design. Because what, what I didn't sort of preface this with is, you know, we have a, a stakeholder group that controls plan design. That's not something we handle or have power over in-house. So we have to get really creative with the tools in our toolbox. So I sort of, you know, said, this is the perfect solution for so many of our, for our issues. And said, eh, we don't have that. We can't build it. So I said, well, I have a great solution that I found and I'm going to introduce you to Amino. And that's, you know, started those, that next step of integrating Amino through our, our carrier. So Amino actually resides on our microsite with our carrier. It also resides internally on our division website and really anywhere where we find people get their health benefits information. Amino will be there on, in an apps, you know, on our app settings through Horizon Blue or, you know, any platform that we put forward facing to our members. Awesome. So what you're talking about doing here is really what I see as a national trend, right? More and more employers are carving out services from national carriers and, and TPAs. So, so this is not new, but I, I imagine that Horizon had some reservations about this. So what obstacles did you have to overcome to getting them to agree to really replace their tool with, with Amino's tool? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a general reluctance um, by some of the big carriers that if they didn't build it and they don't control it, that they don't trust it or, right? So really taking that deep dive and looking under the hood to see why this tool solves for many of our problems. I won't say it was an easy, easy road to travel in getting them to think differently, but I think in this healthcare space in generally, you have to be willing to really forced them to think differently. I think that first conversation I had with their head of digital experience was important and instrumental because I, I had them on record of saying this was a great idea. It's just something that they didn't have. Again, progress is never, is never easy, but I think we're moving in the right direction. So David, back, back to you for a second. So on the surface, replacing a large insurance carrier search tool, I mean, that sounds like an extraordinary lift. Was that the case? And, and if not, why not? Well, you mentioned the eight months and and in reality, you know, a good portion of that is actually doing all of the, you know, IT and security reviews and those sorts of things that are part of any just solid vendor due diligence. So it didn't have much to do with us just being prepared to support New Jersey members. The way that I think about the fundamental problem of healthcare guidance is that there are three layers to it. One is, do you have the data to be able to even inform a good decision? You know, a directory that's alphabetical has none of that information. It's as good as random, maybe even worse in some cases if Dr. Anderson is a bad surgeon. So number one is, do you have the data? Number two is, are you able to create an experience that delivers results? Is 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 it persuasive and convenient enough to be engaging 
and to drive the types of actions that someone in Kristen's position or frankly, any one of the families that are part of the New Jersey health plan would want to give to their loved ones and say, use this to find a doctor. And then the third, which is incredibly important is how does that get distributed? How do we make sure that people have easy, pervasive access to it? And these are all things that we as a company have decided to solve for really centrally so that when we launch a new customer, they don't have to beg, borrow, and steal to get data. They don't have to build a whole new set of metrics. They don't have to build a whole new set of distribution channels. So in Kristen's case, you know, our data already saw discharges at 90% of New Jersey state hospitals. We already see through almost 20 billion claims what over 200 million people are paying for their care, what they're getting from their care, including infections or readmissions and so forth. And also tells us a little bit about referral patterns, patient volumes, and those sorts of things. That is something that every one of our customers gets the benefit of, large or small, which means that someone in Kristen's position doesn't need to move data in pallets from here to there. It's a great security benefit for them, but it's also a great implementation benefit. So on the data side, we are able to inform those decisions relatively quickly. On the metrics and sort of making the persuasive experience side, Amino has developed a solution which we call Smart Match. It's a way of finding the high-performance network that exists in every one of our networks. Every one of us has a high-performance network. It's just only a random set of people take advantage of it by accident. Yeah. <laughs> what Amino does is it tries to stratify the network using cost, quality, experience, appropriateness, and all things that most humans know, have no idea how to do, you know, decide based on. And we package all that up into a very easy concept called a smart match label. It's like picking an Amazon Prime product. You know it's going to come in two days. You don't need to ask that question. You just look for the label. We do that for healthcare providers, urgent care centers, hospitals, ambulatory surgical centers, imaging centers, et cetera. So that all gets baked into this product that's relatively turnkey for someone like Kristen to turn on. And then the last is we try to be as flexible as we can to support whatever existing platforms mm. that you have. So in Kristen's case, uh, she mentioned her carrier, Microsite. We also have uh, existing you know, uh, implementations and future ideas for distributing really amino across all of the different ways that some member might get, I don't know, guided to a community doctor or hospital. And so we want that intelligence to be baked all over the place. And the reason implementation's fast is because that's not something that we have to create on a customer by customer basis. It's really relatively easy to sort of just flip on. Right, so I'm a simpleton here. So I like, I like to simplify things. What I heard in that explanation there was that because you have all this data, you're, you're really agnostic to who the incumbent network is, whether it's Horizon Blue, Signet, or Aetna, because you already have all the cost and quality data associated with you know, the different networks out there, it's pretty plug and play for somebody to implement because all, all that you need to know is, okay, what's your network, right? And then you align the data in the platform with that network and you already have the, co- the, the quality information. And so, and so that's it, an employer can, Flip it on pretty quick. That's right. And, it, you know, less so in Kristen's case right now, but there are so many different companies that might have a reference-based pricing program that they've got in place alongside a, a PPO. They might have different companies that uh, New Jersey Health Plan, I, I believe, used to work with Aetna and Horizon, now is consolidated behind the blues. If you have three or four different carriers, how do you have a unified benefits communication experience? The implications of what we've done to build a central platform 
have you know pretty big implications for for not just you know uh, ease of getting started, but also ease of adding a new plan type or adding a new carrier, and just having the same smart match focused benefit communication be the same year to year. So, with any cost and quality a steerage tool uh, like Amino, I mean the key is getting people to use it, right? If, the, if there's no utilization, then the value is, is severely diminished. So, a big part of your initial rollout was to get buy-in from union leaders and other division leads. So, how did you get all your stakeholders to align around, you know, using a guidance tool? So I think there was there there has been frustration for many years with the with the same old sort of provider directory model that has existed. So they were very eager, you know, stakeholders and um, groups were very eager to have something more. It's just they didn't know what was out there, right? So I think bringing them into the conversation early um, was really instrumental, and then just a focus on the quality piece. So. You know, I know for different populations with different types of health plans, whether consumer-driven health plan, you know, they're, you know, may, maybe have a different um, value proposition. But for my members, you know, most of our members are on a plan with the 97 to 98% actuarial value, you know, so they're not spending a lot on their healthcare dollar, right? So focus on quality, not, you know, the cost is important from a plan perspective, but quality is really important. And they weren't sold that, you know, this steerage that might take place by a carrier or even by a hospital system was in their members' best interest. They wanted that objective, data-driven quality approach, which I think really was vital or you know instrumental in them really buying in. And then I think realizing all of our stakeholder groups and our union groups, and to your point about the really broad group of people we we cover, whether educators, police officers, and firemen, or state employees, and our retirees who live all over the country, knowing how people communicate and engage in their healthcare, you know, it's very different from one group to the next. Sure. And so trying to, again, like meet them where they're at in with those different communications. David didn't touch on it, but another important feature of the Amino product for us was the integrated benefits tool that allows me as a plan because of all those challenges I just you know rattled off on communications and engagement I really see that integrated benefits tool feature as you know sort of the thing that connects the dots in our healthcare ecosystem so if if I'm searching for weight loss I'm not only going to see you know various providers that deal with weight loss but also I'm going to see that my plan offers me a free program, right, from Naturally Slim or a wellness program that I can earn 350 extra dollars if I do these five things. How would I have known that but for, right, this feature? So that was really important to us and for us, a huge value proposition. That is such a great point because I think what happens, the traditional benefits communication path is, you know, communicate to your employees at open enrollment, give them some material. And then, oh, by the way, everyone forgets until they actually need, you know, a healthcare service of some sort. And even if you're offering something unique and special, they've, they've forgotten, right? They're just going to go where they would normally go. So David, I do agree with Kristen. That is a, that's a great feature. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and just add some color? You know, one of the things that we say, which is a little bit controversial, is that we don't believe in transparency. Our view is that, you know, transparency alone is not a solution. We had this argument maybe 10 years ago that, hey, let's, let's, let's just jack up the deductibles on people 
and push them over a plank and let, let them make them learn how to swim. That was not a real winning solution in the U.S. healthcare system. Deductibles have continued rising, as have costs. And actually, most people who are subject to high deductibles aren't any better in terms of health. In fact, a lot of them are worse off because they're afraid to spend smartly on care. And so over that time, the, the shift that has occurred is that folks in Kristen's position all over the country are investing in a Livongo program, a second opinion service, a direct primary care on-site clinic program, a weight loss program, a wellness program, and so forth. You, you mentioned that, co- that concept of unbundling. And Kristen and folks who might be listening have the benefit of a Michael Maneri or of another benefit consultant that they work with to help them navigate all these things, you know, infinite PowerPoint decks, diligence programs, demos, and so forth that help them know, okay, great, I've got this problem. I put in this wellness program. I expect to see a solution. But members don't get their own personal benefits consultant. Someone who is a member of the DMV or a state trooper or a a professor at Rutgers is sick or injured five months after they had open enrollment. And our view, when we say that transparency doesn't work, or maybe transparency is dead, is that it's not just a decision anymore about who's the cheapest doctor. That is just not the decision that's in front of our members. In fact, the decision is, do I have a virtual program? Do I have an onsite program? Is Is there a tiered network or a direct contract that I need to take advantage of? All of that stuff's impossible for it to keep in a member's head. And so integrated benefits allows the member just to say weight loss or back pain or the number of indications that might trigger just the perfect virtual care program or disease management program that no one ever knew about. And it layers it organically within the search results. So it could be about going to see a doctor, or maybe it's just about getting care for you right now for free over the phone. Given the challenges that someone in Kristen's position might have around really driving engagement in the right context for those things, integrated benefits is a great solution. And, and so just to, I'm going to get, give a simple example to highlight, you know, how it works. So, so we've been implementing a lot of digital behavioral health solutions to tackle, you know, the, the mental health crisis and, and, and uh, the access to care problem, you know, in your, in the amino tool, if somebody searched for, you know, I need to see a behavioral health provider, it would it'd be a list of, of smart matches, but on top, you would highlight the digital behavioral health tool, right. That an employer had implemented. Uh, how do we guide them to the right solution to the problem? And it could be a doctor. And if it's a doctor, it's the cheapest, most appropriate, in-network, most experienced provider of care for that for that need. But it may be the case that the best solution is to take advantage of something that's not a doctor at all. Right. And so in this instance, Kristen, I mean, this does have the the ability to enhance maybe some of the programs with Horizon Blue that are maybe underutilized. Exactly. Exactly. So... Kristen, you ended up launching Amino June of 2020, which is actually, that's off cycle to your benefits year. So was that an intentional choice? And if so, what was the rationale there? It wasn't intentional, but I do think it was sort of the right result. Not only because 2020 has been all over the place uh, (laughs) from a planning perspective, but I think the off cycle launch, you know, lends itself to a lot of opportunities and just just to you know piggyback off of your point earlier about when people think about their benefits, they think about their benefits in October and January. October for us because that's our month of open enrollment. January it's you know because they they're looking for their new card and what if we went out to bid and you know it might be a new vendor. You know those are the only two times of the year, and we as healthcare leaders and HR leaders have really fed into that and almost like you know we've we've grown that monster because that's the only time we talk to our members about their healthcare. But to your point, it's something they engage in, you know, engage with all year. 
And I always think like, in what other industry would you hand your employee like a a $30,000 piece of equipment and not provide them ongoing training on how to use it, right? Like it's it's just, it's crazy um, that we do that. I think off-cycle launches with these types of things are, are really important actually, whether it's a second opinion service, but it's the right time for us now because as we you know, talk about coming out of second wave and people looking for care that they have either delayed or had to cancel. I mean, we know how many pre-offs were out there for surgeries that got canceled and they're going to be rescheduled. You know, hopefully when people go to do that rescheduling, they're, they're not just using status quo, they're, they're being smart and thoughtful about the way that they're going to engage in the healthcare system. Because whereas before you might not have thought twice about, you know, going into a facility three or four times because you wanted to, you know, meet different doctors, you really want that provider encounter to be good and meaningful because you don't want to have to go back a bunch. Right. Exactly. So there's a number of reasons why I think right now is just ideal, an ideal time to launch. Well, and I think in, in COVID, I think people are getting more used to, to virtual everything. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, being able to provide a, a virtual tool, I think it makes sense, especially in, uh, in COVID. So you guys are, are within the first six months of, you know, the product launch here. And this is a question to both both of you. You know, what have you, as well as Horizon and, and the Amino team, what have you done to drive employee awareness and engagement, you know, prior to launch and then after that go live date? We've done sort of the, the traditional means of communication. You know, we were hindered by not having our employees. Well, our employees have never really been in one central location, but it, they've been in multiple locations, but at least in brick and mortar. And now everybody's digital, right? So you know, we've sent out emails. We've actually tied a, a one of our incentives for our wellness program to using the Amino platform. So if you create an account and go in and explore and do some searches, um, you can have uh, you can get uh, points from our wellness program. Because I, I mean, I think the experience is so good that once people you know use it once, they will keep coming back for more. Mm-hmm. So incentivizing people to use that traffic, we've. We've done some webinars and I think we're we're putting together our 2021 communications calendar now to really tailor some communication to our educator population because I think they have some really unique needs. Really tailor some you know, communications to our first responders right now. We're going to have a strategic 2021 communications year. And, and it's not, a, you know, in October, we go out loud and 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 plug it and then don't do anything else until next October. It's, it's gotta be an ongoing um, engagement. Uh, awesome. Yeah. I'd say our, our, our engagement strategy uh, literally there's a few components to it that I think have been pretty successful so far as one really investing in micro populations, um, especially for a group that's as diverse as the state, you know, they've got various unions, teacher populations, state troopers, government employees of all sorts of different stripes, really understanding what are the sources of influence, um, partnering with either uh, newsletters or, you know, media companies. We were just featured in New Jersey Cop Magazine. And so really think of ourselves as not just delivering software, but delivering a full membership program and, and something that allows people to understand what's the point of what we do through the support of a trusted third party, like, you know, for example, the, the union leadership uh, and so forth. So we've partnered pretty closely with those folks and we've seen some good ro- good results where we've seen uh, that type of micropopulation engagement. We have really invested behind kind of a program that really defines what Amino is all about, which is get back to it. 
And the argument that we make to all of our users is one that's pretty persuasive, which is that none of us want to be experts in our healthcare. What we want is to be healthy or to no longer be in pain or just to never have had this issue that I'm dealing with in the first place is another way of thinking about it. And so the Get Back to It uh, uh, program, how we think about positioning amino is really about if you just use amino, you're booking online with two taps of the thumb. You have all your information saved. This is almost a concierge-like experience to what is otherwise a very frustrating healthcare experience, especially in an environment like COVID. So with Amino, you can book COVID testing. With Amino, you when you book a, a online, we're also taking in COVID screening questions and identifying providers that may still be open. Some are not. And then the last thing I'll say is that, as Kristen mentioned, the goal is just to get people using it at least once. The net promoter score on our product is over 80. We see this consistently across all of our customers. And so by far and away, if we can just get people to either create an account or have access to Amino, they do come back over and over again because they realize the value that we create in booking the, uh, their appointments online for them or connecting them to that digital solution that they weren't aware of. And so over the course of the next several months, the things that our teams are working with Kristen on are how do we empower different you know, virtual care and direct primary care and onsite care investments that she's made to use Amino, for example, with referrals? How, how do we make sure that when someone goes out into the community, they're not inadvertently passed out of network or inadvertently passed to someone who might be unsafe or overly expensive for the plan? Likewise, how do we make Amino's guidance available digitally across all of the different microsites that the state makes available either for benefits or for uh, just you know union communications and so forth. And so we're trying as much as we can to just distribute Amino as much as we can, because we know that once people start using it, they really do appreciate the new experience of their healthcare. Yeah, I really like the get back to it mantra. What I get from that mantra is, hey, this is easy and it's gonna save you time. And I'll give you a personal testimonial. I had to schedule an outpatient procedure. I was using my own company's benefits and the, the network tool to try to find a provider based on cost and quality. Extraordinarily frustrating. It was taking way too much time. And so uh, what I did is I called my friends at Amino and they helped me out and got me using the tool and helped me find some cost and quality information. I spent 10 minutes versus, you know, I think the, the 30 or 40 that I was. So I, I do think there's a consumer value in just the simplicity of the platform. And, and I, can, I can say having used it once, I mean, I would go back and, and use it for sure. And Michael, just one small point I wanna make on that, um, which by the way, we're, we're hoping that we can put this in the hands of every Alliant uh, employee benefit holder, as you know, we're, we're, we would love to partner more deeply with you all on that. But one of the things that Kristen said, which is really important, I did wanna overlook, is that a lot of her plan members are on a 97% actuarial value plan. There's not a lot of baked in financial incentives that a lot of other companies just forced on their people. And so really, what levers do you have? And, and, and to me, one of the things that no matter whether you have a $2,000 deductible or a $20 deductible and a $5 copay, you want more time in your day with your kids. You want, more you don't want, you want to do less in healthcare. And so the reason that we've invested in that value proposition to members is because no matter if you're a labor union with a $5 copay plan, you can see results for the plan costs by actually delivering something that is truly realized as a benefit to employees, not a trade-off. Um, and that's something that a lot of people have to think about. But uh, in a lot of cases, even if you have a high deductible, you're not getting the results that you need with, by just cost alone. Convenience really does cut through. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, a good point that you both made where it's not just a cost saving play here. It's a quality play. But 
you know, I think one of the things that most people aren't aware of is the incredible variance in quality in healthcare. Do you want to speak to that? Because you see it in the data. And I would, I would guess most people have no idea. In America, we absolutely value choice. We, as a, com- as a country, have worshipped the PPO network because we want to know that our doctor's in the network and that there's lots of options in case I get sick. And that is not something that I think is going to go away. But the reality, if you do, like, do a retrospective on a 75-year-old, 80-year-old and ask how many doctors did you consume in your life, it's probably less than 1% of the total network of doctors they had access to. We don't actually consume a whole network. We like, know- we know- we like knowing that it's there. And so what we do at Amino is we try to make it so that someone in Kristen's position can offer a network and not have to force someone into a narrow network if they don't want to, not force someone into an HMO program or some other program, but actually get the benefit of the high performance network that exists today. That top 1% of doctors, hospitals, imaging centers, et cetera, exists in your network. How do we actually make it so that people go there? The reality is that all of us in the casino of healthcare land on black some percent of the time. By accident, we go to a high value place because you know we had a one in 50 chance of doing so. And the goal of Amino is how do we make it so that everyone's a winner? <laughs> how do we make it so that it's not just randomness that takes someone to a high value, high performing part of the network, but that they go to more. And so what we do is we take 19 billion claims going on 20. It's data that is not only from CMS, we're the first for-profit qualified entity from Medicare. So we have all of Medicare's claims uh, data flowing through that. We also have about two and a half billion commercial claims, um, which is how we're able to see things like childbirths, pediatric visits, things that you don't see a lot of in the Medicare data, but I'm sure are super important, obviously, to someone in a, in a benefits leadership perspective. So we take all of those anonymous data sets that tell us not about any people on the patient side, but they do tell us who's the doctor, what plan did that person have, what hospital did they have this uh, procedure done at, and we start to just score the heck out of all that. Did they get readmissions? Were they referred by someone who, you know, uh, makes judicious referrals around this stuff? For a primary care doctor, do they prescribe opioids unnecessarily or branded drugs uh, drugs unnecessarily? And so you've got this mixture of experience, safety, appropriateness, expensiveness with respect to the plan. So for Blue Cross Blue Shield negotiated rates, is this a cheap facility to get that thing done? We take all that stuff. And then actually the smart match providers are 5% of the actual network that someone has access to. So we give all of our members access to a pretty treacherous set of options. The reality is the chance of success is very, very low. And so how can we make it so that people have a great, better than 50-50 shot of getting a good result without having to overspend. And that's what we're trying to do. And it's not just about shining a light. It's about guiding people and make it more convenient to choose those providers. Yeah. Well, I, I think if, if anything, you know, that uh, I've learned over the last couple of years, I mean, the, 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 there's extraordinary variance in quality and costs and oftentimes high cost providers are directly correlated to low quality. So, you know, I think that's, that's something that, you know, it's good that we're now starting to shine a light on that. Kristen, still very early in your relationship with Amino. Do you have any any results uh, with the platform so far that you know you'd like to share, whether they be anecdotal or you know how many how many people are you know accessing it, anything like that? One of the most promising or you know exciting things to me is the topics that people are searching. 
So um, musculoskeletal is a huge issue, you know, for us, as I'm sure it is for all your clients, but we're seeing a lot of folks looking at for musculoskeletal hips, knees, surgeons. So it's really, really important that those folks are getting driven to high value and high quality um, providers. And just on that note, like when you had asked David that last question, I think you said it's not just cost savings, it's quality. And to me, quality is cost savings, right? Because if you're only getting the knee replaced once for the ne- over the next 10 years, or you're not getting readmitted because of a complication, like that's where I'm also, you know, saving unit cost is important, but quality really delivers on a number of fronts, as you know. And then, you know, word of mouth in our population is really important. Maybe it's because of the limitations we have on uh, ways that we engage, but you know, it sort of spreads like wildfire in populations, you know, like among the teachers or mm-hmm. the work locations. And one individual, I think she said she was just floored that she could book all three of her kids' pediatric appointments by telling Amino to do it for her. And, you know, she said she must have saved three hours of back and forth calls with uh, her kids' pediatricians to try and get their wellness visits. So, and I can, I can, completely identify with that as a mom of three, it's very difficult. So yeah, I'm really excited, excited for the things to come. And I really, I do see a January 2021 and beyond sort of an explosion in demand. And I'm, I'm really glad that we're well poised to meet that demand with good information for our members. Aside from, you know, the anticipated, you know, growth and utilization, you know, what else is uh, on the horizon, you know, for, for your own health benefits program? Let's see. There's a lot on the horizon. How much time do we have? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, you know, I think, again, the silver lining of COVID is, is really our members engaging in digital health in more ways, especially on the behavioral health side. We see as telemedicine spiked and has now started to come down, our behavioral health continues on this upward trajectory. And it just tells me that there's a need there that we weren't meeting before. So how do we expand that? Focusing on some new new models of delivery with integrated delivery networks amongst our plans and using Amino to help, you know, steer members and educate members. There's a lot on the horizon for 2021 and uh, we're excited. And David, based on, you know, what, what Kristen just described there, you know, any other comments on, on how you, you continue to see Amino supporting those efforts? We are just trying to follow the trend that is out there, which is what Kristen mentioned, which is, you know, the decisions that she's making. And then also, frankly, the, 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 the trends in market that we are just responding to because of COVID. So as Kristen mentioned, you know, one of the top two terms are MSK, you know, also ER avoidance is huge, uh, not just for New Jersey, but for a lot of our, uh, our, our customers. So we've launched already retail clinics, right? So now inside of Amino, if you look for something like flu or frankly, assuming the COVID vaccine, things like that, not only will you see local open urgent care centers, we just added all the, you know, the Walgreens and the, you know, all the, the minute clinics and those sorts of things. So that even in those types of decisions, how can someone get care without going so close to a hospital ER, which no one wants to be in right now. And so, you know, we're following those trends. And so we're backlogging surgeries for people. If they're trying to get um, surgeries done, you know, MSK surgeries, the doctor or hospital is not available. A lot of that stuff's being backlogged. We're supporting people having a rational reintroduction to the healthcare system. You can imagine, you know, if, if the gun fires and everyone runs in the race, they're gonna just collide with low value doctors, whoever's got an opening. Because they've been having hip pain possibly for six months and on the advice of their family said, don't leave the house, dad. So on that regard, we need to make sure that people kind of rationally reenter 
all these, you know, kind of elective surgery conversations. The second thing that we're doing is really investing. We just launched Amino Refer in 20, early 2020, and it's been a really great success story for us. And I know that Kristen has a lot of investments behind virtual care, behind on-site and direct care, and how do we integrate provider guidance and program guidance into all those Sherpas that exist inside yeah. of the state health plan, getting, giving them access to that intelligence uh, in real time. And last is, uh, you know, as they evolve the plan designs uh, or the plan options and those sorts of things over the course of the next decade, none of this stuff stays static. But as they get more and more sophisticated on that, it's really a matter of just tuning Amino. So you keep that same platform. You're still looking for smart matches, but maybe someone fell out of network or entered the network. Maybe there's a new incentive in the wellness program. Maybe there's a whole new network to choose from in the future. That will not create a user experience disruption for members uh, of the health plan. And that's the big role that we play um, really to allow someone like Kristen to innovate without having to worry about the impact that it has on the member experience. Kristen, Dave, this has been uh, such a fun uh, conversation and, and hopefully insightful for those who, who have joined us. I love this story because it's, it's an example of how business leaders can leverage innovation and technology that's available in the marketplace to create extraordinary value for their employees and their dependents. And I think right now people are struggling and, and, and lots of families need help in a lot of different ways. And uh, this is just a great example for our audience that there's a need for, for business leaders, for HR leaders to think creatively about how to leverage their benefit program to create value in the lives of their employees. So uh, thank you for allowing me to be the moderator uh, for this discussion. And uh, with that, I will pass it back to Ashley. Yes, thank you so much for all of this great insight. Awesome conversation. Um, we're almost at, at the end of our time, so I don't want to take too many questions, but we had a couple come in through the QA chat widget. So our first one is, is the intelligence of the system prioritizing primary care for helping patients identify low-cost, high-quality care, i.e. Ste steering a member to a general internal medicine family physician and pediatrician instead of a higher-cost specialist? I'll kick that to David. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very simple. This is the difference between transparency and guidance. And this is probably one of the best takeaways about Amino's perspective on the market. The only thing better than the cheapest hospital for your surgery is maybe the most expensive ambulatory surgical center. And the only thing better than the cheapest, safest ambulatory surgical center is possibly not getting surgery at all. And then you go through all of these kind of steps down. If you worship transparency or just cost and quality data about doctors, you're not getting that sense of kind of, can I change the setting of care or direct someone to more appropriate care? So absolutely, if someone searches for something where we believe it can be treated in primary care, we direct them to primary care. Even better than that, if, if Kristen, for example, has a virtual care program or a diabetes prevention or diabetes uh, management program, we also surface those. And frankly, if you even go down the path with an amino of trying to get an MRI or of booking with a specialist endocrinologist because you searched for diabetes, you found someone who your cousin sees and you click book, we're still gonna ask, you know, do you have a referral for that? And can we help you get a referral from primary care? If you have a primary care doc, great, let us know. We'll actually set the appointment up for you. If you don't, we'll actually help you identify a smart match primary care doctor. So that's just an impossible set of choices for someone to navigate. And we try to make it so that just depending on what you search for, there's probably a good best practice that we can employ and that gets faked into Amino's guidance. Excellent. 
One other question for Kristen, are you considering using your influence to try to get your PCPs to use the tool as a referral tool as well? We have direct primary care medical homes um, for our state health plan. Um, and that is uh, that is an integrated benefit that will pop up for our members that have access to those direct primary care medical homes um, when they search for primary care. And I'm sure a number of other search terms. But, you know, this is one of the limitations. And so that's my direct primary cares for our primary cares or PCPs that are in the, the blue network or the Aetna network or whatever your carriers network is. You know, what they're using for their referrals, I don't know. I don't know what their tool is. You know, I know if if there's a physician who's employed by a hospital system in the primary care setting, are they probably going to refer into the hospital that they work for? Most likely. Um, and I don't have control over that. So, you know, I think this is meant to dis- disrupt what that status quo is. Um, but, you know, every time I talk to a PCP, like, they seem sort of desperate for that information as to like where they can make high value referrals because they want their members to go to high quality, you know, places. So yeah, our direct primary care, uh, they certainly have that, you know, the tools and we're working to get them those tools, but I don't have confidence in what our general PCPs in a network setting where their information is coming from because I don't know where it's coming from other than, um, you know, who they went to med school with or, uh, you know, who's their neighbor they play golf with. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com, where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Amino's website and contact information. Lastly, we welcome your feedback on the content we're bringing to you on the show. Let us know what you think with a review or drop us a note and let us know if there's someone you think would be a good guest on the show. Thanks again for being part of our community and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast.